Welcome to The 10 Frames, a podcast for emerging artists. Join your hosts, Kevin Kirkwood and Kelly Thompson, as they share conversations with artists, collectors, educators, and gallerists. Through these conversations, they explore the latest trends, techniques, and issues in the art world. To learn more about their individual work, please visit their Instagram profiles at Kevin Will Paint and at Kelly K. Thompson Art. Today we are excited to share with you a conversation that we had with Denise Treisman, an artist of Chilean-Israeli descent who currently resides in Miami. Her vibrant and distinctive fiber installations, which feature a mix of found objects, discarded items, and glowing lights, are currently on display at the Orlando Museum of Art's Florida Prize exhibition. Alongside her installations, Denise is also known for her sculptures, paintings, and work on paper. Just right off the bat, can I get you to just tell everybody where they can find you on online? Sure, so I'm pretty active in on Instagram, and you can find me by just Denise Traceman. And I mean, it's kind of dated, but I'm on Facebook. I have a website, which is www.denisetraceman.com. Cool. And that's pretty much what I use. Right on. What... What kind of work do you make? Maybe introduce yourself to the audience. Um, what do you make and, and maybe why? Okay, um, so I feel like if I have to describe myself as an artist, I would say I'm an installation artist that works primarily with um, found and ready-made materials. But in the recent, and by recent I mean maybe five years I've incorporated the use of handmade in it too. So by that I refer mostly to fiber works that I weave myself and then I treat as one more object that becomes part of this world. And also ceramics that I have been excluding in the past years just due to access to studios and stuff like that. But um, basically I treat everything as an object, even if I made it, I try to think of it as something that I could have picked up from trash, I mean, or from, or given to me. I mean, my work has evolved a lot, and it has to do also with moving a lot and the location. So I always feel like explaining where, where it all began, and it doesn't necessarily translate to where I'm at at this moment, if it makes any sense. I don't know how familiar you guys are with, with my past or my initial work, even when I was at grad school, but... Let's dive into like that a little bit. Very current. Maybe talk about that so, a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so I did my MFA in, in New York at, at the School of Visual Arts, and I actually did a year prior to that in San Francisco at um, SFAI, which is... I don't know why I lived there for a year, but prior to that, I spent a summer in New York, and I got I, I became really obsessed with the amount of like 
things that were put up on out on the street and like coming from South America myself that was just like incredible that that was the landscape basically I mean all kinds of stuff furniture toys doesn't matter I mean it happens in general it still strikes me as like new in the US in general but in an urban setting where you're walking everywhere and it was just part of your everyday and kind of like changed my whole view of art because before that I, I, I used to like paint kind of like an abstract painter trying to be because I really didn't know so much what I was doing I mean obviously I had had an idea of color and that still comes across in my work but anyways so um, I I did this first year in, New, in San Francisco just because I didn't get to school in New York the first time I applied and then I reapplied and I reapplied as a sculpt with completely new body of work that was more sculptural. Um, and then, yeah, I just couldn't stop working with things on the street. I mean, part of my first initial investigation was really actually making what I would call at the time like street interventions. So like spraying objects or, or like making a quick assemblage that was ephemeral and documenting it. Sometimes I would print those photographs and, you know, in grad school you have all these conversations like, what is this about? Is this a performance? But I wasn't interested in the in that aspect. I don't think it was that interesting. That made it be like street art, you know, it was more about the gesture, the ephemeral, and really it was about me being able to develop my own language because I was so free just doing it with objects and things that were, you know, of low value and no, it wasn't like working on a white cube or in a studio. Like I could just not photograph it if it went wrong or. Wait, was the work, I, I mean, I didn't. Was the work large, like back in New York or San Francisco, just because rent is so expensive? Like where did you store all this material, I guess? Also, this, so the stuff I did on the street, I was really not, was, for example, there were piles, like, you know, they piled all these tra garbage bags, like, but huge piles, like, I don't know, 50 plastic bags, black. I would just pour a whole can of paint over it, like white paint, and then photograph that from, from a building, like, because it was right across my school, so I had, like, an, like almost like an air, aerial shot of that. Or, you know, there was a, fa a mattress left on the street. I would spray it, add some tape. Like, it was, I mean, you can, I still have all those images on my website if anyone's interested. I, I, I think they're like crucial to my, who I am now as an artist. I misunderstood. Um, I guess I thought you were making the work and then it was to be placed into a setting, like an environment, but you're uh, leaving it on the street. So, so, no, so I was just leaving it and like, you know, taking a quick photo, and it wasn't even that such of a, like, Instagram or social media time, so actually that was, like, work that I would present on my crits, like the photographs and stuff, and, and then slowly I started doing what you're saying, which is actually bringing some of the objects inside, so I think, like, it was, like, a slow transition, and then I kind of lost interest in the street part of it, because, like, I felt confident enough that I could work now inside and I could just kind of do the same thing that I was doing on the street, if it makes any sense to you. Yeah. Was the street art 
at all performance based? Did you have people watching you? Uh, was that uh, did that play into your no, idea of the I piece didn't. itself? No, that I mean, I, I, later in in life, I did perform twice on the street, but it was just like random stuff that took me there. But um, I would say performance is one of the few things. I mean, technology, I guess, because I'm not good at it too. But performance is not something that uh, um, I feel like comes to me naturally. Like I feel like a little bit like uh, I have to do this, like embarrassed or. <laughs> so that's not an inherent it. part of what your what your body of work yeah. is about. Yeah. So, but, you know, there was that conversation, because you're in grad school, they're questioning every move you do, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, oh, is this about the action? Is it about the final piece, the process? And, like, you know, for a while, people thought these were so interesting. I should just do that. I should turn it into performance, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was more like, no, the quicker I could do it and run away, the, best, <laughs> the, the better, kind of. I don't know. That sounds like part of the performance, too. Could be. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin also mentioned, and I'm interested because found objects play a part in my work as well. My biggest issue is finding a place or a reason to keep things. And space is always an issue, especially, you know, I'm in Savannah and a pretty small place. So um, I was very interested in when reading about some of your work that you, you find them um, ephemeral and to the point that you, you don't hold them up to such a regard that once it's done, it's in that state forever. You, you recycle things, pieces that you've already done. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So what I mean by that, and again, that has also evolved a lot, but like, um, I feel like uh, like just like a painter that has like paint tubes or whatever for me I, that those were my objects and some of them had marks like for example if I sprayed them or cut them or if they were torn or whatever like I mean I do feel you because sometimes one feels like stupid it's like okay I have this umbrella I could throw it out and buy one exactly the same in three years if I need that for a piece but there was some there's something about that that just doesn't feel like right to me because for some like a lot of the objects that I have or that I've used they kind of contain a history of every piece that they've been part of also I it doesn't matter to me I do not keep like a record or, or like a like a I don't know how to call it in English like oh this piece was found on 22nd and 7th Avenue on January 20th of 19 no I don't have that, but I, but I do remember everything, like myself. It's almost like a personal journey. When I pick up an object, I'm like, oh, I remember this piece. I found it when I came out of the subway here and there, and I remember it's been used in this and that. And like, it kind of builds onto itself, like a little story for me that maybe, maybe or maybe not comes across in the work in, at some point. Um, but that umbrella so might appear decide. in more than one piece? Yeah, so like the, the same object sometimes has been part of one big installation. I mean, even at, at the installation I have up now at the Orlando Museum, like there's pieces, there's like stuff that 
you know, like um, stuff that I've made, like weavings that have been already shown in different configurations and also objects like inflatables and, you know, pieces of styrofoam and a lot of things that, again, yes, could I find another piece of styrofoam that is slightly the same size and, and you know, make something similar? Yes, of course. Do I do that sometimes too? Yes, but like I really have like anxiety of getting rid of my own things. I don't know, is this making me a hoarder? I'm not a hoarder in life, but I guess. I totally understand. To some extent, to some extent I am. I mean, and I feel you, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy because, I mean, I, I still have a storage unit in New York with objects. Objects like taxi bumpers. You know, in New York City, yellow taxi bumper, the hot dog cart, umbrella, more than one. And people, even in New York, were like, oh, wow, where did you find this? I'm like, what do you mean? You just walk and you see all this stuff. You know, now, are you, are you so stupid like me to pay storage for shit like that? I'm sorry, but yes, I, I'm doing it. This is my vocabulary, and I strongly believe that, you know, everything... I don't know, I will use it at some point and hopefully I'll have a big show where I could, you know, say hello to all of these things again. Well, you're attracted to something. That's why you pick it up in the first place. So it's not just a random thing. You're, whether it's the shape or the color, the texture, there's something in that when you pick it up or, or notice it that you're drawn to. So I understand it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to part with those things when you think that there is a use or a reason for it. If, if when, when I lived in New York, for example, I already knew that I could find another yellow taxi bumper, you know? I mean, if I needed to, I probably could even find a place to buy 50, you know what I mean? But I still want to keep the one I found on XYZ Street, or that reminds me of like, oh, I remember I was having dinner with you and we came out and that thing was there and I was dressed but I had to walk the subway with like that you know what I mean like I don't know it's the story the memory that you appreciate yeah. um, you mentioned the Florida Prize or the Orlando Museum of Art and after looking at your CV I noticed that there's you've been involved in a ton of exhibitions and this podcast is kind of focused to emerging artists so could you talk a little bit about your process of engaging with people so you can get your work out into the public? I mean, it looks like for the last 10 or so years, you've been in multiple bigger exhibits throughout you know, each year. And maybe just can you tap in or tell us a little bit about how you get involved with that or how that yeah, evolved so, maybe? Yeah, so I mean, after like graduating, I spent almost eight years or maybe six after graduation in New York. And, you know, I, I feel like I really applied to a lot of things, artist residencies, I mean, opportunities of more permanent studios in New York. And then it was pretty organic. I can't really like, I wish there was one way or one method or one strategy and I would be happy to share it. And I mean, I'm sure every artist successful as they are they still feel like they could be more like showing and doing more 
Do you have a so, routine? I mean, I, I, Do you have like a I routine lately? About applications? And sure. Stuff, yeah. Like I mean, every Monday, I'm going to dedicate every Monday morning, or or is it just uh, hearsay? You hear about well, an exhibit? I just have like if I if I see like. I mean, now that I'm in Miami and I'm new here, kind of, um, if I see something, you know, like with the people that live here, if I hear about something coming up, there's not that many things. So everyone kind of applies to the same stuff. So I kind of like open up a folder and I have like a folder in my computer that says like apply to or whatever, yeah. waiting for and waiting for an answer accepted rejected you know so i kind of move things around and so if i hear about something coming up i like create the folder just to not forget that that's there but i, I mean i wish i could be like oh mondays i work on applications <laughs> you're just you're constantly involved though you're you're seeking work or exhibits i am i mean so that's one thing and i feel like residencies are i mean if if that's I mean, something I would definitely recommend to every artist. Of course, like the more important the residency is, more important people you're, you might meet, but they did open a lot of connections. And you know, I, whenever, I mean, I think artists, man, I mean, at the end of the day, if you like one another artist's work, you're gonna recommend or talk about that artist. I mean, and this is all again, prior to this like social media boom, now more so, cause it's easier. You just post something, people like it, they share it, and you can connect with someone just cause they shared your work on Instagram, right? But I'm talking like, you know, the real connection, like you go to a residency, you meet one. I mean, there's 20, 30 artists. You might meet one that's interested in your work and they'll talk about someone, about you to someone else or they'll like broaden your, you know, like, yeah, that person might be based in Chicago or, and then you like start doing it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was that residencies. And then I got a studio. I had the permit, like a, at the Elizabeth Foundation in New York for four years, and that was like you know a great place to be because it's in the middle of the city. They brought a lot of professionals. Like it was a real program with support. And then people I met along the way, a few like independent curators that like your work and trust you, and right. just make a lot of work, I guess. Yeah. Was it a residency that? brought you to Miami from New York? No, it was life. So in 2019, I left New York. Um, I lived two years in Israel because my husband that I met in New York was like finishing medical school in Israel. And we were supposed to stay in Israel, but then the pandemic brought us, we were trapped in Chile with my newborn second son and they were closing airports and we were like, where do we go? Let's go to Miami. Because we had like, I had like ties, family ties with Miami my whole life and a place to get to. And we just ended up staying. <laughs> and you know, I was kind of like, okay, I'll take it. I always wanted to go back to New York, but at that point I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm not. And so Miami's a good compromise. You're at the laundromat, right? Yes, I am. Can you, have, you, have you been here? Yeah, and I was just curious, can you talk a little bit about that process of getting involved with the laundromat? Yeah, so when I got, after this journey in Miami with like 
two babies, basically, because my kids are now four and two. Um, I was like, I need, I had still like a few things going on from connections and, you know, I had a solo show still in New York, had to make work. So I had to figure out a way to do it and have finding a studio in Miami is not very easy. It might seem like a big art scene, but there's not a lot of artists work independently at their houses or garage or, and I was used to having a community where you could, you know, meet other artists. So I just like hassled and, you know, tried, applied to all the places that had opportunities and came to an opening and met Ron, the director of Laundromat and introduced myself and he told me apply. And then after a while there was an opportunity to, to join. So it's been great nice. to have a place. Cool. So I'm not as familiar with the Laundromat as Kevin is. Can you explain to me also, um, our listeners, not, not everyone knows about the venue. Can you just talk about the space and your studio? Do you have a studio there? Yeah, so the the space, I I believe, because I don't know so much about its history, but I believe it's almost like 10 years old and it used to be a laundromat. So it's like a warehouse kind of, you know, studio. There's I think there's like 12 studios and a little exhibition space where the director, you know, invites curators, curates himself. He does like a, an open call once a year, which, by the way, for an exhibition, which is, inter- I mean, is, you don't need to live in Miami to apply. So that's something that people can look into, too. Right. And yeah, each artist has a very nice studio and there's a little community. You know, we all work at different hours, but there's there's a good vibe and exhibitions whenever there's an opening we are allowed and encouraged to open up our studios so we do a little bit of like a yeah open studios maybe once every month and a half or something nice yeah i heard about it but i haven't seen it so definitely want to make a trek down there to yeah you know, please come look to at that and keep that on the here. list for the so future what what are you working on now or what's What's the future look like for your studio practice? So I'm working, I have a, my first solo show at a museum in January. At the, it's a awesome. museum in the Coral Springs Museum of Art. It's oh. near in Coral Springs, Florida. Okay. Um, so I'm just producing a lot Congrats, of Congrats, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. It's a pretty big space. And aside from that, I've started working with a gallery here, which is also kind of new. It's called Mahara and Co. We're going to go to the Swab Art Fair in Barcelona. So it's a group booth, but I'm, I'm going with, with her. And I actually have a group show in New York opening on September 15th at a new gallery also in Chelsea. What's so, that one? It's called Les, Le, like L apostrophe Les Pas. Okay. Um, it was also through somebody I met here in my, she's like based between Miami and New York. So I'm pretty yeah. excited and nervous because it's the first time I'm going to go since I left. It's going to be great. Um, I hope so. But I have like, you know, like that weird feeling of like, oh. Yeah. 
Nobody's gonna remember me. <laughs> so is the work already, or is the material already in the area? Or is that what you're bringing, like the bumper and the things that you're referring to earlier? No, no, no. So for the, that's a show, but that revolves around it's New York's uh, textile month. Okay. And these are just so. I, it's good that you brought me back to that. So I, I work with installation. That's definitely like what gives me like the most excitement. But I feel like one thing I've also developed in the last years is to like understand how to broaden my practice and be able to be part of conversations that, you know, you can't just I mean, not everything can be site-specific and stuff. First of all, it's very tiring, very time-consuming, and it always demands your presence. And second, there, I mean, there's a thing about the space. I feel like I, can't, I, I need to really feel the space and, and feel like it's right to make a site-specific installation. I, I, I just like, you know, if it's a group show and they're like, oh, make something in that corner, like it just might not feel right. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys, I mean, you, you mentioned you work with installation. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's like an installation has to feel like it's right and it has the proper space it needs. It's not, I mean, it's not just for the sake of it. So I work also in work. I mean, I also make a lot of works that are more um, obviously in size, but also in terms of installing like things that I can just send and somebody can install for me either with instructions or just because it's a simple assemblage that's all kind of put together. Um, my works are, a lot of my wall work, wall works puzzles a little bit. You know, sometimes they can be like stitched or something and they come as one thing and sometimes it requires a little bit of figuring it out or there's always something that's going to be different each time you install them but but i guess i'm trying to find that balance like different sizes different mediums and yeah for me there's no me like i want to be like a cross-media artist and be able to participate in like you know works like group shows and solo shows and it's just too hard to just make site-specific installation you mentioned that you have instructions on some of your work. Is it ever detailed or is it ever required that you need to provide so much detail or is it just kind of like a little guidance to make sure that the piece is the way you want it? Yeah, in general, no. If it's like, if it takes me too long to make the instruction, if it's too complicated to even to me to make up an instruction thing, I think I would prefer to like do something that I can just send or consider like, okay, I have to go to this show and install, you know right. what I mean? I do wish like I could at some point. I mean, this is something I struggle with because there's a lot of things that maybe they're complicated to me, but like even at the Orlando, at the Orlando Museum's show, I had like the site specific installation, which was completely like improvisational and made on site. So of course that, then there were other pieces that I knew exactly how they were gonna look but they were still like pieces that I needed to install myself. I was just like recreating something I had already shown or made in the in my studio, right? And then the art handler there was a pretty cool guy and he was like, I was asking him just for understanding, like, okay, if you had gotten this with like a list or a photo, like, do you think you could have like installed it without me being here? Like, you know, and he said, probably yes, but 
it's always a little tricky because you don't know who's going to install it, how much, you know, how much you're going to be able to communicate with the person while they're installing right. and things like that. So I'm, that's something I am dealing with always, and it's a learning curve. I don't have the perfect instructions. I wish I could, but it's hard for me to make them, you know? Yeah. Denise, I wanted to back up a little bit and just specifically talk about um, your work. The one thing that I noticed across your mediums, um, be it painting or, or works on paper or installation work, sculpture, your color palette, um, you have a very vibrant quality to your, whether it's the textures and the textiles that you're using or the, or the paint or whatever is applied. Um, almost think of uh, neon a little bit. Um, my question is, I like to work with organic material mixed with technology. And I noticed that in some of your work, you weave in lighting, this LED rope light that's got bright colors that kind of matches or it mimics some of the other color in your work. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you came to infuse technology with some of the found objects? Yeah. So you were saying like how I infuse technology, meaning the lights into the into yes. the more found and all that. Yes. Or more about the color palette in general, or both. I guess that was kind of a multi-tiered question, wasn't it? Um, talk about your color palette was just an observation, in that when I envision your work and um, the things that I've seen, your work first came to my attention to the Florida Prize. And I saw that and then doing a little bit of a deep dive, noticed that. And then I was really drawn to the to the lighting because I do have a connection with technology. So I guess if you could address the, the technology aspect of it, that's really kind of where my question lies. No, it's really cool to think about it as technology. Because for me, it's like paint. You know what I mean? It's just color. It's just neon. It's just like desirable material um, if it makes any sense so from the found and to of course nowadays I buy a lot of my materials too and I participate of the consumerist culture which is kind of my paradigm but that's where my whole statement comes out from uh, at the end of the day the work is about excess and why do we need all these things to exist so it's not sufficient now with neon signs. There's LED lights where you can create the same neon sign without knowing how to, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these things are just like things that exist and why do they exist? Are they needed? No, but are they desirable and do we want them? Yes. So um, what could be more desirable than light in general? Like when I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when I think of even traveling, what what are the places that, I mean, why was I even so excited in New York? Was it the lights in Times Square? My first time, I mean, as a visitor. Or, I don't know, I had the opportunity to visit Tokyo. Like, there's there, the, to me, there can't be anything more, as like a landmark of something desirable is lights from like Christmas tree lights, which I never had because I'm Jewish and I didn't celebrate Christmas. Like I've always been attracted to lights. What about shadow? Uh, use them. Does shadow interest you also? Mm, not, not as 
like a not really but i mean I, when i see other people working with it i find it very interesting yeah and i'm like oh that's a cool idea or when even when there's been like you know with lighting in an exhibition sometimes there's weird things happening with shadows or reflections and i i am interested in but that. it doesn't you don't focus it's on that. Something that not something that i would pursue like in a piece no. right that makes sense but but yeah i guess the talk about light has to do with a little bit with that i mean it's just purely desirable material i love um, your your description of it being like paint because now that i think yeah, about it I, it does it does fit in your pieces like pure color like paint paint with a glow yeah i do i do feel like i mean either if it's on a wall piece where it's more like it has sometimes more like a line quality or in an installation, sometimes it becomes more about for, like a, an area with a color. Um, but at the end of the day, it's paint. I mean, that's why I was like, oh, it's interesting that it is technology, I guess, as you put it out. But I really see it as paint and drawing. Nice. So I know that your time is valuable. Do you have any questions that you want to ask her? Um, no, I think I'm fine. I'm not in a rush. If right you, I mean, whatever well, you guys want. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to just make these episodes short and sweet. Yeah, but get the, the great information. One yeah. thing that I do want to ask is what is in your immediate future? Well, I did mention the museum, the show at the... I have more than that. I mentioned the, cool. the museum at show... Because it's like the thing that's coming up, but I will also have a um, two-person show here in Miami at uh, Club Gallery, also in January, with Francisco Donoso, who's an artist from New York. Cool. Friend too. And um, in 2025, I have a, another museum show at, at the Wiregrass Museum of Art in Dothan, Alabama. 24, no? So, Sorry? In 25 or 24? 25, 25. So oh, wow. Yeah. So it's very exciting. I feel like, oh, I'm a real artist. Your calendar's like, filling up. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't deal with you now. It's nice yeah. to say no when you but, have something else because you're in demand. No, but it's not. I mean, I want to say that also when you're asking me, like, what would you tell an artist? Like, I feel like I've never stopped making artwork. I don't know what, you know, what comes first, like that or the other thing. But I've always, I mean, even when I was pregnant, when I was living those two years without any artist community in Haifa, Israel, I, I bought a loom and I got more into fiber arts. And, you know, I've always, always produced work. If you if you invite me to a show, like, in two months, I can make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, I know and I acknowledge that not every artist has the same process, and I do not criticize if you can't. But if, if you have the, if your work allows it, I would say just never stop making, because things sometimes come up. It's nice to have a thing scheduled for a year or two. Yes, it makes you feel like, you know, I'm professional. But, you know, sometimes, like, things come up in short notice, and if you can be part of it, and it's something that's good for your career, why not? I mean, so I think, yeah, never stop making just for the sake of the process, but also be ready for surprises. Right on. I think that's a good spot to stop. Um, good words of advice. 
Very good advice. Thank you for your time, Denise. And I look forward to learning more about your work in the future. Thank yeah. you, too. It was very nice to meet you. And please let me know if you're down in Miami. I would be happy to meet you in person. And, um, yeah, keep in touch. Great. Yeah, thank you, Denise. I really I appreciate it. How did you find out about my work? Just out of curiosity from the Florida Prize? Yeah, yeah. You know Fiorella? Fiorella Escalon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. I met her at the opening, actually. I right remember on. her. She was in our class, graduating class. But, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. You didn't, you didn't see it in person, right? No. no, it ended on last Sunday, no? No, so they extended it. Oh, oh that's a good piece of it. They extended it until September 17th. Cool. Oh, that's great. Still far from you guys, but if somebody who's listening to this is in Orlando, they can still check it out. Right on. And if you know of any other artists, like within the laundromat community, send them my way if you want. And for future episodes, I'm making co- connections with people, but it's always good if I have help, you know, Referrals on the inside. Good too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I noticed you guys also in- interviewed uh, Regina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to work with Regina like 10 plus years ago or so. Oh, cool. Regina and I, we're both in the show in New York. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good. Exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I've also met um, Gonzalo. Yeah. I saw you guys interviewed. And Perfect. I would love to see more about your work. So send awesome. me your, your stuff also on Instagram. Will do. All right. Best All right. of luck. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. We now have a Patreon page that allows you to financially support the show. To make a donation, please visit thetenframe.podbean.com. If you would like to learn more about a particular person in the art world, reach out to us on Instagram at the 10 frame.